1: Zero episode forty four starts now. Woo! Big show today. I'm your host Brandon Davis. Joined today by Jenna Anderson.
2: Hey everybody! After like the Eternals intro <laughs> and how long it took for you to record that, it's like you're just getting so chaotic with these openings. <laughs>
1: That's right. We, we That's don't, right. don't care anymore, Aaron
3: <laughs> <laughs> We do care, but about um, Marvel content. Big show today, guys. Let's go.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't care. If the audience thinks I am chaotic, I love that. I'm here for chaos. Let's do it. Uh, We do care about the content, though. We love you all very much. Welcome to the show. Very big show today. We got Nate Moore, producer of Eternals, coming up later in the show. This is probably my favorite interview we've ever done on the show. It's a ve- like it's it's pre-taped, so you're going to – sorry it's not live. We can't take any live questions, but I do just want to say Jenna and Aaron were fantastic in this interview. We had a meeting before the interview. We discussed our questions. We really plotted this one, and Nate Moore was just such a fantastic guest that I'm so proud of everybody uh, being – everybody involved with this one. I'm really happy we were able to bring this one. I promise you – Stay tuned all the way through the end, especially if you've seen Eternals, because we do talk spoilers. But there is a Captain America 4 update. Mm. There is a Black Panther 2 update. There is some some insights on Spider-Man No Way Home. Not the kind of insights that already leaked on Twitter that you don't want to hear. Like just the kind of get you fired up and don't say too much insights because Nate Moore is a professional. Uh, And yeah, so I'm also happy to announce that next week we have legendary Marvel Studios concept artist Andy Park on the show. So if you think we're not going to be talking about WandaVision, you are wrong. He is amazing. He has done so many awesome uh, just designs and things that we love. So Andy Park is on the show next week. We are thrilled about that. I am terrified to dive into the prep for that. It's going to be Jenna and comicbook.com's Adam Barnhart and myself. And uh, it's going to be a fun one. And I'll be doing that one. From LA because I'm going out to LA to host the global press conference for Marvel's Hawkeye. Wow! I am fired up about that. I don't. I announced that too. So yeah, there we go. The show's full of news. Anyway, all right. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm hyper because I'm excited about this show. I hope everybody enjoys today's show. We got to get to some news, and then we're going to get to this uh, Nate Moore interview, which I really hope you all enjoy. Um, starting with the news: Spider-Man No Way Home leaks. I'm not going to talk about what has leaked. I don't know if I have time to cover everything that has leaked. But there were photos. I'm not going to say what was in the photos. If you've managed to steer clear of them, I promise you this is a spoiler-free zone. This is a leak-free zone. Uh, I know that the line between leak and scoop is getting blurrier. I know that I, I, I'm very aware that this is the same show where we announced a very exciting actor was in Spider-Man: No Way Home on our very first episode. That to me was casting. Look, at, like I, I, I think there's a difference. And if that's a surprise that I that anybody feels I have ruined, I apologize. But. Uh, I'm trying to work on that both on the show, on the site, on social media, to make sure that we, we have a clear line between casting, uh, and, and like spoilers. So yeah. Um, well, so, so, so there's no way to dance. You can't not name what happened. There were, there are photos from Spider-Man no way home, which are very, very revealing. They were shared on Twitter with the John Campia show watermarked on them. Um, They have made the rounds everywhere. I only saw them because people started responding to my tweets with them. Uh, So even if you muted Spider-Man, people are still going to throw them at you. And he says that he thought they were Photoshopped and he shared them with his watermark on them because he wanted retweets and stuff. It's all very weird. Um, The big question here. It's like, first of all, I have two questions. The first question is like, do you guys believe that that's what happened? And now, I don't know John Campion personally. I, I'm not super familiar with the show. I'm not in the business of dragging people or anything like that, but this is a very weird situation. And I do want to hear you guys thoughts. Cause I'm kind of like, uh, did, 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 did Kevin give you a call here? And, and, and show up as the punisher at your door. Like what, what's like, I don't, this is all so weird. It's weird to put the watermark on someone else's work. Um,
3: uh, Aaron you're at the top
1: unfortunately for you. Oh uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right.
3: I have to follow this. Um so a couple of things, right? It's not In in working in social media and making memes for a corporation or some sort of like outlet, you get your work taken very, very off, like all the time, just constantly. You see it pop up on other meme pages. You see it go through the weird like chrysalis of Facebook and then the boomers get a hold of your stuff and it never comes back to you ever. Um, I don't know if he didn't know. That would be very unfortunate. I know that there probably was. I heard some things about, like, there were, like, Sony slash Marvel, like, knocking on the door. Like, hey, what's going on here? So once we get to that line, where there's, like, intervening forces, I feel like we've reached the, like, past regular scooping. Like, it's, like, a leak at that point. Also, unfortunately, our our buddy Chris Killian said, if you want to go into Spider-Man unspoiled. At this point, you might just not want to be on social media at all for two months, which is a lot of time, but I don't know any other way to really solve it because you're going to get YouTube recommendations. You're going to get thumbnails. You're going to get the stuff on Twitter. You got you're going to get all of it, whether you like it or not. Like BT has all the filters on that you could possibly have. Like, you know, he's got the whole thing where you lock the door and there's a bunch of different locks. And he's like figuring out the puzzle to get in his house. And then he turns around and then the leaks are right there in the chair. Like, ah, I'm still in here. I'm still here. I mean, listen, so, I'll say like
1: back in the days before the, the world tried to end, like I used to get, like get to go to the sets. We used to send reporters out to set v- visits and. They would lay out movies for you. I went to the set of Spider-Man Far From Home. I learned a lot about that film that I was then allowed to share months later, like just before the movie came out. And still, I went to the set of the film. I saw a whole rundown of the film. I still didn't know Tony Stark was dead. Like, I still didn't know Mysterio was lying about being from another universe. Like... It's it's just like there is a different there is like things that are officially said by people from the film, kind of like the narrative that they deem like this is part of the fun promotion. And then there is like a photo, which is clearly not intended to be released. It is nowhere. And if it's real, that's a leak. Uh, It's mind boggling. I think that if if John Campia, who has been doing what he's doing for a very long time, like I, I have to believe, right, that if he thought those could be real. He would not share them because the repercussions for that, which I'm going to discuss in a minute, would just be so severe that you like you're 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 essentially out. You're exiled from invitations to access if you leak something like that. That's just the that's the way it should be. He himself actually tweeted that people going to premieres should sign NDAs to preserve spoilers, and then this happened. So it's like I don't really i don't know i don't know jenna what do you think
2: i this whole situation is so crazy it's like having to explain to like my mom a couple weeks ago how the whole variety thing happened with eternals it's like that felt like the craziest we could get in terms of spoilers coming out so early in such a weird way and then this happens and it's just like hold my beer it's like this is even crazier i i did watch a clip from his show yesterday where he was trying to explain how the whole situation happened and From what he said, it sounded like Sony did reach out to him and did say, like, we know you didn't think these were real because it's like you would not have posted them if you thought that they were real originally. And, like, I can understand the justification to an extent from where he's coming from, but it is such a weird situation to... Put your watermark on it, even if you do think it's fake. Like, I'm not going to talk about the content of the photos, but he did try to argue that the light sources in some of the photos were reasons why he thought that they were fake, even though multiple light sources can exist in a scene, in a photo, in anything. Um, It is just so crazy. It's like, I... I can see how he accidentally made the mistake of posting these and thinking that they were fake, but it's like now the genie's out of the bottle. He can delete them. He can apologize as much as he wants, but like the photos are out there. They're going to continue being out there. Like It now ruins an aspect of the movie for so many people who aren't even wanting to, or who are going to so many great lengths to avoid spoilers. Like I tweeted over the weekend, I almost wish this movie didn't do premiere screenings or like early screenings, because I feel like more is going to get out between now and December 17th or 16th. And that sucks because it's like, I want this movie to be a thing that we all experience in the moment. And as time keeps passing on, that keeps being taken away from us.
1: Yeah, as Brandon Morris said in the chat, why put a watermark on something if you think it's fake? That's just the the unanswered question here. Um, that just even then it's like, well, that's still wrong to do because then you're using someone else's work and not crediting them. I don't know. The whole thing is weird. There is no perfect solution. This was obviously a big mistake. And the question that I have now is what is going to be the fallout for this? And this is also something like, again, I'm not trying to drag anybody or like, I don't want to see anybody's careers or professions ruined, but I have an expectation that if I just go and spoil something or share something that is as big as these post credit scene of Eternals or an image from Spider-Man No Way Home, like you have to be careful enough and respect that enough that those are secrets that obviously like are not supposed to be shared. And again, this goes back to saying like, what is the line between a scoop or a leak? A photo is definitely a leak. If you know that that's real and you share it, then you have definitely leaked and violated like that, that unspoken respect, I think. But it's like, I knew Evan Peters was going to be in WandaVision for a very long time. I knew Ironheart was going to be in Black Panther Wakanda forever for a considerable amount of time. I never talked about Evan Peters being in WandaVision. I didn't say anything about Ironheart until Kevin Feige said it in an interview with me. So like there is like, I, I'm not like, I know I'm not perfect in this regard either, but I, and a lot of us make like such mistakes, but it is going to be interesting because it's going to set an interesting precedent. Because if you see people who make these mistakes kind of get the same access and get the like, it's like, well, then is it just a free-for-all that we can just try to build traffic and podcast numbers and views and tweets and retweets and everything? With like, I, I don't know. It's going to set a really interesting precedent to see what happens. And I, I, I don't know. I'm not rooting against anybody, but I am kind of rooting for the level of respect to fans and filmmakers. So we'll see. We'll see going forward. Um, okay. I mean, th- do you agree with that?
3: Um, I really think that like as as just like media members right you you've had a lot of your access pulled back through the pandemic like just period like you can't really get set visits you can't be in locker rooms you can't go to the press conferences in person and there's a real real concern that after or whenever we get to a point where we want to shift back to whatever it was that they're just going to not Give that access back. You'll never get it back. Me and Russ uh, Game, who works at comicbook.com here with us, have talked about him numerous times where he's really curious, and I'm really curious. Like, and things like these, like the eternal situation, like what happened over this weekend with Spider-Man, are going to stick in some of these executives' heads where they're gonna be like, do we really want reporters in here if they're just gonna leak major stuff that happens into the movie? Yeah, that's and, the that's what really <laughs> sucks. Yeah, like, and it's I'll tell
1: you. Like, a perfect example is we had Andy Circus here on the podcast. I saw Venom Let There Be Carnage. I had to pre-tape an interview with Andy Circus. They did not show me the, interv- the, the post credit scene, which has what it has in it. And that was new footage of that character. I'm not even going to spoil it because we didn't give a Venom spoiler warning. I assume everybody <laughs> here knows what I'm talking about. I didn't see that scene. I had to have it told to me because my interview with Andy Circus for this Phase Zero podcast was before I could see the post credit scene. I, did, I, I wish that I had known that that was clearly new footage and not the exact same footage from a previous movie because that's the way it was told to me by like three or four people who did see it, that it was the same scene on a TV screen. And I would have said, hey, Andy, did you guys bring so-and-so to set and film something new. Like, when did you film this? Cause that all is very interesting information to me. And that is already a result of Sony having to take these precautionary measures because they don't want that getting out there. So I, like, I understand why they didn't show it to me because I saw the movie like a whole month before it came out. You don't want that sitting out there and making its way around, I get it. But it's also a result of people sharing things that they shouldn't be sharing. And it makes our, like, I feel like I'm the most spoiled person in the world sitting up here <laughs> saying that it makes my job harder. But I, I'm dedicated and I take pride in the content we make here. So when, when I'm working at that disadvantage to, to get the best content for this podcast, for our listeners, for the comicbook.com readers, it's like, damn, if y'all, everybody in there would just have a level of respect and not share the things they see in there, we wouldn't be dealing with this. So I don't know, the whole leaks and scoops and cat, like those kind of things, it's all very... It's all very, uh, it's blurry. It's becoming more and more blurry. And I, I tried, I, I promise everybody, I try to operate with a level of respect. And I'm sure that a lot of people in the industry do. We're not always perfect. But i uh, these recent instances seem like clearly across an already blurry line. Anyway, we got to move on because we are, we've spent enough time talking about Spider-Man okay. leaks without even talking about what they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to get to our Nate Moore interview. So let's get to the rest <laughs> of the news real quick.
3: Okay. So, uh, Chloe Zhao is reportedly the front runner for a uh, Kevin Feige's Star Wars film. Any thoughts uh, on that? I know that it, that report has already been refuted by Alberta over at The Wrap. Um, is it is he with The Wrap? Yeah. yeah. And I I don't. She said that with you, BD, that she would love to do this. She would love to have that project. Um, I think she would probably be a pretty good fit. The space opera thing seems like it would work really well, but I don't know what they're thinking over there at Lucasfilm. I have no clue. I have no insight into that. I've talked so much. If Jenna has, something, I want to, I want to hear from her.
2: <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> like Before, before Eternals even came out, like just hearing her talk about how much she loves star Wars. I was like, this feels like an eventual, like an eventuality of like, of course, of like, if Kevin Feige were to pick someone in the Marvel house who has not already directed a Star Wars thing, it would probably be her because I clearly she is so passionate about it. Clearly, with Eternal, she can get the like big opulent space opera of it all. So, like seeing this report, I definitely wasn't surprised. I am curious now. Now that Rogue Squadron is delayed and we might still hypothetically get a Star Wars movie in 2023, I'm like, could she actually get this like get this gig with Feige Star Wars movie so that they can still have one in two years to premiere, or is something else she's going to premiere that but like either way if she does end up doing this it'll just be it'll be really cool because i'm curious to see how her vibe translates to the star wars universe
1: Yeah. And I mean, as we talked about in our Eternals bonus episode number four here, a lot of us enjoyed how she directed Eternals. Uh, It was kind of the script. And and for me, at least, and I think a couple of you guys agreed with me, was the MCU canon restrictions that it kind of felt on her super ambitious idea. And if the Mandalorian has shown us anything, it's that Mm -hmm. like a separate kind of one off story in the Star Wars world can be super entertaining. And I liked Eternals. I, 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 everybody, I know everybody wants to <laughs> tell me I hated it just because I only liked it a little bit. Um, uh, but visually it was, it was really awesome. And it's no, it's no secret. Chloe knows how to make things visually really cool. Thinking about what she could do visually with Star Wars mm-hmm. in a canon that can allow her to be as ambitious as she wants and sprawling as she wants. I mean, I feel like we're talking about Dune type, like but but even more colorful and <laughs> and just like I, I don't know that could be i think it's cool
2: I would well want and to. also like michael waldron is writing the script so that would just be a combination of just <sighs> mcu greats at this point like that I'm, would just yeah. yeah it would be awesome
1: i would like to see it i would like to see it but <laughs> umberto gonzalez says it's not true so we may not see it we'll see. time will tell
2: um, so the other news this week is we got two big casting updates. The first one is um, Gail Garcia Bernal has been cast in a Halloween special for Disney+. Plus. The reporting is being very vague in the way that they're wording it, but he is most likely playing werewolf by night. Um, they're basically like, he's playing a werewolf character in this Halloween special. It's like, we know that that's werewolf by night. Um, so what do you guys think about this? Like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, he's going to be in a show, um, station 11 later this year that I'm very excited about. So I think it's very cool that they picked this casting. It's not at all what I was expecting for this kind of character, but what do y'all think about it? Cause I think it's just very cool.
1: You know, I don't think I'm super familiar with his work. Um, I know he does a lot of Spanish language films, um, and he's going to play Zorro Opposite uh, Kirsty Clemens, who was Iris West in Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, this comes from Umberto Gonzalez, so it's, probably, it's it, I'm going to go ahead and say it's true. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think the I mean he's I, I think he's going to be playing the Jack Russell version. So a lot of people that seems to be a common theory. And um, Werewolf by Night is not a character I have spent all that much time with, but he's also that's also where Moon Knight first appeared. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see if it's all connected in that way. Aaron, what yeah. do you think?
3: Um, I, I like that we're just building out this spooky corner of the mm-hmm. MCU with different people like slowly kind of like inching around so you get an idea. I know Jenna, I know we, we, we dare not speak its name, but Midnight suns dare we dare we hope yep. at yep. some point you know
2: there was the dream also is still of- alive. Yeah, it's also like, I know he is very good friends with Diego Luna, like they have done so many movies together, and they are kind of best friends. And like, now that Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight, part of me was almost like, where can you put Diego Luna in this Midnight Suns verse of like, have him be Damon Hellstrom or something like that? Because it's like, just build this out and just have all of these guys who are friends with each other be in this scenario, because that would just be so cool. Also, it looks like we summoned Jim, we mentioned Moon Knight. And he blows up the chat. So. Yeah, the timing there is uh, is a little Perfect. sus,
1: Jim. It's pretty yeah. sus. Those ears were ringing. Uh, he heard Moon Knight. He came run in. He just has a Moon Knight radar. Yep. Oh, as soon as it's named, he just shows up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jim. Jim owns uh, the Werewolf by Night book that Moon Knight first appeared in. So. Uh, yeah. All
2: right. mm-hmm. yeah, and then Weird. the other the other casting news is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three has started filming. Um, James Gunn shared a photo of all of the cast and himself together, and it also revealed that um, Chuck Woody Iwuji of the Peacemaker show is also casting Guardians Three. Um, when Gunn confirmed this news, he said that he's playing the role that most every big name actor in Hollywood wanted, and then. Chugwudi himself said, As an artist, you hope to encounter a champion who opens doors for you. Thank you, James Gunn, for practically kicking the doors off the hinges. Let's play. Who do we think he's playing? I have a couple of theories, but I want to hear y'all.
1: <sighs> Silver Surfer or Nova? One of the
3: two, right? Yeah.
2: I've also, I, oh yeah, no,
3: Aaron, you show sure your surf. I, I, I the, the Silver Surfer of it all had not occurred to me at all. And that would line up with the timelines for Fantastic Four and some of the other stuff that's clearly on its way through. If you're to believe some of the other reports, these reports keep dropping before and after the show. I need y'all to get y'all scheduled together so we can have it all laid out easier for us to digest. Um, but yeah, I think I like the Silver Surfer thing the most.
2: I agree like it surfer makes the most sense in the sense of like every other actor has wanted to play this part and it would be very cool of like this is an actor that a lot of people don't already know but you're going to elevate him with a character that everybody does know I have also seen people like this wouldn't be as much of a high in demand role but like what if he's playing gladiator because that would just be very Mm. cool and would be a very like James Gunn thing to introduce in this movie of like having him be involved in the Adam Warlock of it all so either way we win honestly whoever he's playing we're we're winning.
1: That's what makes me so curious is that it, they're talking about this. Is, uh, you know, it's James Gunn, so he likes to play. Yeah. So I remember one time he said like Guardians of the Galaxy 1 had like the most exciting, his favorite post credit scene ever. And it was just Howard the Duck sipping a martini. And I was like, that son of a gun. No pun intended. Um, but when he said it's the most, uh, what did he say? The role most every big name actor in Hollywood wanted. Uh, it's like, what could they have been talking about behind the scenes that hasn't made its way out? Mm -hmm. like adam warlock has already been cast so it's gotta be surfer or nova right i mean we could be wrong if we're taking it too literally but i don't know who else it could possibly be guardians one wrote nova into the first draft cut him out richard Ryder was cut from infinity war like surfer is back obviously that gun wants to go super cosmic so but he i don't know we all thought we all thought uh Uh, Taika Waititi was going to voice King Shark or Sorrow. We all thought (laughs) Kurt Russell was going to play Jason. We all thought uh, 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 The Paul Bethany thing with
2: WandaVision where he was like uh, the greatest actor in the show I'm acting against and it was just himself.
1: Yes, so James Gunn (laughs) loves to play with us. Marvel loves to play with us. I guess time will tell but good for for them over there. I'm excited to see Guardians 3. I love that it's in production because James Mm -hmm. Gunn is so active on social media that we often get to see some fun stuff, um, and before we wrap, toss into our Nate More interview, Disney Plus day predictions. I've heard they're going big. I've heard there's a lot coming, so I'm I'm expecting footage, dates, news. Miss Marvel for sure. Hopefully some Moon Knight, maybe some She Hulk. De- I, I expect at least concept art. Um, uh, obviously some footage for some of those, and I think we'll probably get some casting announcements. And some more stuff like that. What do you what are you guys expecting from Disney Plus? Or what do you just want?
2: <laughs> I I agree with like basically everything you just rattled off. I also hope since like Secret Invasion started filming, and I know like Armor Wars and Ironheart are like in pre-production, it's like we could even just get some sort of update for them. Like that would be really cool. But yeah, the three that you named, as as long as we get anything for them, like release date, concept art teaser first book photo, like I will be content, especially for She-Hulk. Between me with She-Hulk and Jim with Moon Knight, Friday is going to be very chaotic in the best possible way. (laughs) So either way, I'm excited.
3: What do you want? I'm going real out there. I I want something about Loki season two. I would really they haven't said they haven't said anything to us about it. You have Jonathan Majors doing all this press and like being mischievous and coy like he is. So I would think that probably Ironheart and oh man let's think something else I uh, something else really out there but I don't know I have no <laughs> I bet idea. you we get a whole new show announcement
2: oh absolutely yeah because, yeah if, like not, some,
1: if
3: not multiple yeah some some new character that all of us are gonna go oh of course <laughs> of course they're here is going to happen and we're all gonna be like what Hell, I might even buy some Disney stock tomorrow because you know they're going to start
1: it off and be like, our subscription numbers have officially reached 300 billion. We are actually the most subscribed to a streaming service in the galaxy because we've discovered life on other planets that we can sell our service to because Earth wasn't enough. So I think they're just going to have so much to announce. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to say, Jenna, Aaron, this is news oh, to you. It was just second. confirmed to me. Oh, oh, oh. What? Wait a
3: second cat four footage that oh. there we go it, it,
2: how yeah that that's not going to be on disney plus though
3: mm. there are they no rules even anymore filming. there's no rules there's it no even rules anymore <laughs> it doesn't have a director it's a del- they'll announce it's it
1: a, it's a deleted scene from falcon and winter soldier that is actually part of Fa- it's cat just 4. the
2: zemo dance cut just for like half. <laughs> oh,
1: i'll watch it i'll watch it i'll watch <laughs> it. We actually, this interview, we're about to get some news about the Karoon cut of Eternals, all the footage that uh, the King Goes Valet was filming. Uh, but I am I do want to also say this now live on the show. If you're listening pre-taped, we will be live with a bonus episode number five on Friday. Uh, I believe it will be noon Eastern time, possibly 1 p.m. Basically as soon as Disney Plus Day ends with a bonus episode of Phase Zero Aaron Jenna, this is the first year hearing of it because it was just confirmed to me by text message during the show. So uh, that's exciting. We'll have a we'll have a nice way to talk about all the stuff that happened, and then that will be followed by an episode of Comic Book Nation, which will talk about all the things that we don't, uh, even though. I think we're going to touch on some book and Boba Fett and Mandalorian season three stuff and Ahsoka if it's there, but, uh, all falls under the same umbrella here at phase zero. It's close enough to Marvel. We're all excited about it. And we will let Kofi and the team take over after us. And, uh, we hope you all stick around and watch with them. But right now, uh, we're going to, we're going to toss it to eternal's producer, Nate Moore. This is the last part of our live show. Aaron, you got any parting words for today's this week?
3: um i'm just really excited for you guys to get to see this interview it was so much fun he was so thorough he's so knowledgeable he get, he went there with us and we really really appreciate it so there you go i agree jenna
2: i agree this interview was so much fun and i think you guys are in for a treat and yeah just follow all of us on twitter follow me at hey it's jenna Lynn.
1: yeah follow hey it's jenna Lynn. follow at summit lake hornet please if you want if you enjoy this interview It makes us feel so good to let us know, (laughs) like, please just stroke our egos a little bit. Make us feel good. We put a lot of work into this one, uh, and I'm really proud of it. And I just can't thank Nate more enough for for playing along and actually being pretty open about a lot of this stuff. There's some really exciting updates uh, about some upcoming MCU projects that I did not expect to get. So I hope you all enjoy this interview. Spoilers for Eternals Follow. It will start right after this break. See y'all in the interview. Uh, we're very excited for this half of the show uh we have a very special guest who is going to be discussing eternals with us full spoilers if you haven't seen the movie yet first of all what are you doing second of all watch it and come back before you have it ruined for you there are some big twists and turns and you don't want to have them ruined this man is the vp of production and development at marvel studios producer of captain america the winter soldier and civil war black panther the falcon and the winter soldier and now eternals Live on Phase Zero, well, not live, this is pre-taped, but joining us on Phase
5: Zero <laughs>
1: is Mr. Nate Moore. Nate, welcome to the show, man. Thank you.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Good to, good to see everybody.
1: It is, it is our pleasure, man, and we all, we all have tons of questions for you, so we're just going to jump right in. Uh, first of all, we're going to do- jump into Eternals and your other work, uh, but I'd love to hear about you know, the weekend in the life of the VP of Production and Development and the producer <laughs> of the film, after a movie comes out, like, what do you do? Is it like your work is done or is it more like we, we've got to do a little bit more? What happens? Yeah, I, I, our work is
5: never done, is the truth, especially now between all the stuff we're making, both for theatrical and for Disney Plus, all of us are busy on multiple things. So, you know, back in the day, uh, even Captain America Winter Soldier, you got to kind of take a victory lap and enjoy it. Um, uh, but now we're, we're on to the next and, and making sure that, you know, the next thing that, that each of us is responsible for is as good as possible.
2: Hey, we appreciate your hard work. That's awesome. So um, your last project before our journals was Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I feel like both of those projects have completely different size and scope of the MCU. Yeah. Um, what was your experience like working in those wildly different corners with Kari Scoglin and then with Chloe Zhao?
5: Honestly, night and day, partially because that was my first time ever trying to do anything uh, uh, television size. And, and I think it's easy to think of the, the Disney Plus shows as being smaller, but to some degree they're, they're larger. I mean, you're talking about six hours of story. There's a lot more ground you're covering narratively. Um, that show, in particular, had a ton of locations because we were trying to make it feel as big and, and globe-trotting as possible. Um, and I think the the asks of that show were so much different because that's a very grounded universe. We'd we'd sort of been there before in the Cap movies, um, but there's a lot of hand-to-hand action, there's a lot of gunfighting, that kind of stuff. And Eternals is a completely different vibe. So. So it was an interesting gear shift to try and figure out how to make sure that show was as good as possible, but also be, be doing this this film in the background.
2: That's awesome. So um, the film is obviously heavily influenced by Jack Kirby's work, and it feels so unique to have a superhero movie where almost all of its characters and mythos kind of stem from one creator. Mm-hmm. How did his run of Eternals influence the film from a producing standpoint?
5: Yeah, I think... Uh, when we decided to do an Eternals uh, movie, I think most people assumed we would be doing Neil Gaiman's because it was a little bit more uh, uh, current and it felt a little bit like stuff you'd seen before, like the Matrix or Harry Potter. I would say, you know, the notion that there's there's a special thing in somebody that's pulled out by a mentor in that case, you know, Icarus going around re rebooting the Eternals. But we thought it was more interesting to some degree to try and tell the story through the lens of people who knew exactly what who they were and to go back through all the periods of history that that Kirby was exploring in that that initial run um, because you hadn't seen that before because you hadn't seen people who were very conscious of who they were kind of moving through time you know to some degree in talking with Chloe about it we we would reference films like Oddly Highlander, and Interview with the Vampire, films about immortal people who are very conscious about who they were and how they moved through time uh, and trying to build a narrative like that for Marvel, we thought was really interesting because we'd just never tried it before.
1: I definitely thought there was going to be some game and influence based on uh, the trailers and stuff. and like yeah. the waking everybody up going in. And I like what you guys did with it and how you visually, especially followed some Kirby stuff. And that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read a really, a really cool piece. It was from a few years ago, but while I was preparing for this discussion with you, I read a really cool piece by Kelly Carter from the undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a part of it that said that you met with Marcus and McFeely when you guys were working on the winter soldier and you had to explain to them, like people love the Falcon. Right. And uh, then that was back when you guys were introducing Anthony Mackie in uh, in The Winter Soldier. But I'm curious, were there any moments on Eternals where any cast members or producers or writers or directors or anybody came in and said, like, they had to explain like a a character and their race and their culture and why something needs to be included or why it needs to be included in a certain way? Kind of like how you had that conversation back during Winter Soldier?
5: Not necessarily. I mean, I think Winter Soldier was interesting in that. I wasn't the executive on the first movie. That was Steven Broussard, who's still with us and amazing. And so when I inherited that property and because the first movie was period and the second was going to be present day, I kind of came with the things that I loved about the character. And when I was a kid, I had a bunch of Captain America and Falcon comics. Like I knew Captain America as Captain America and Falcon more than I knew him as an individual. So it it wasn't uh, when I talked with Marcus McFeely, it was just I just was like, obviously, you'd be doing Captain America and Falcon. What else are you going to do? Uh, And that wasn't necessarily the first thing they thought of, but it was something they were really interested in. Eternals was different in that we kind of uh, internally decided to do the film and then took what we thought was interesting to first the Furpos and then Chloe Zhao. So, and in doing that, I kind of did a deep dive of both the Kirby stuff, the game and stuff, but also, you know, there's a run in the sort of 90s Avengers where Cersei and Dane Whitman, the Black Knight are on it. that, That gets into a lot of the concepts that are in the film. Uh, And also Earth X, which was where we kind of got the idea for Tiamat being in the in the center of the Earth and sort of just pulled all of the different interesting pieces about the Eternals that I could find in publishing and then started to generate the story from that. So it, it was a bit of a different process creatively just because it was a brand new property.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Nate. Uh, I just wanted to ask, so the film is available and in a captured like caption screening form. Is that something you think Marvel is looking to continue? I saw a tweet from Lauren earlier where it, there's actually, interestingly enough, people are wanting to sign up to learn sign language because yeah. of the movie. I read that article too. Yeah, I just actually just read that this morning.
5: Yeah. It's yeah. something we, we, we became more conscious of because of Lauren, frankly, but it's just something we should be doing. You know what I mean? And it's, And it's unfortunate that it sometimes takes a long time for us to sort of get ahead of the curve or get to the curve, frankly. Um, But there is such a huge audience for our movies that doesn't get to see them in a way they should they should be presented with them. So, you know, this process of Eternals was great because we've been talking with a lot of exhibitors who are 100 percent on board. I think there just hasn't been the ask from sort of a bigger company, but we haven't faced any resistance. Nobody said no, no, thank you or it's too expensive. They're actually it's been the reverse. People are really embracing that idea. Um, so I, I think that's great, not only because for Lauren and her participation, but just again, because there is an audience uh, that should get to see the
3: film in a way that is is best for them that's so awesome to hear um so in talking about like characters and their stories right uh athena's has the the sort of experience with mad weary which is an element from the comics but the movie puts its own sort of spin on it um i spent a lot of time helping my mother care for my grandmother when she had dementia and it really resonated with me i'm like this is really how it is you know there's days where you wake up and it's like hey aaron how you doing in other ways like What? why are we in this room? Why are we here? Like, I don't, that's not my cup. And she's had the cup for 20 years. So how did you guys approach that?
5: Yeah, we wanted to make it feel as truthful as we could within the context of obviously this very very unreal situation. Um, But I did think that Mad Weary in the comics was one of the more interesting things about the Eternals. Because when you think about, or when I think about storytelling about people who are immortal, you don't really think about that piece of it, right? Like 7,000 years of, I can't remember when I was four, right, and I'm 43. (laughs) If you're 7,000 years old, the chances that you would have something like that, I think are are really interesting. And I do think that Avengers run with Circe, in that case, it was used to a different effect, but the notion of that being something that could happen, was fascinating because again it gives our characters flaws in in ways that are that are different than what you've seen before but i do think one of the important things of the movie is the notion that she has this and is able to overcome it that it doesn't it doesn't knock her out of the fight forever because i do think it's also easy to stigmatize any kind of mental illness whether it be in a real context or in this comic book context and have it be the thing that that makes it so you can never fight again well that's not I don't know that that's true to life because there are many, many, many people who deal with mental illnesses and overcome them or, f- or learn to live with them, which is what I think Athena does in the film. Where it's not that she's fixed, it's that now she understands what she has and is able to continue to walk through life. I think that's more heroic, honestly, than if we would have fixed her with some sort of you know crazy comic book mojo. Man, I love
1: that yeah. parallel. I, I, there's there's a lot of like commentary that I kind of interpreted from the film, that went over my head. And now that you've pointed it out, I really, really like that uh, you guys put that in there. Um, and Angelina, I think when we were on set, you said this, it might've been in an interview with someone else. And if it was, I'm sorry for not crediting them right now, but I think we you said this on set back in the before times during set visits, <laughs> <That's> uh, <right. laughs> but Angelina Jolie was originally supposed to be just a cameo as Dina, I think. And I'd love to hear about when slash how that changed. Well,
5: actually, uh, the the story the truth is when we met with her she assumed uh, we wanted her for a cameo. She we met with her kind of like hey do you, we never tell anybody what the meeting's about just because of our secrecy and being crazy, and so Angelina Jolie came to come in the Marvel offices. That that's <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But she came into the Marvel offices by herself, like super low profile, and and you see this woman in our, our Marvel lobby has figures and posters and everything. And so it feels a bit incongruous. And she comes into a, a you know, a, a little room with Kevin and Chloe and I, and I think she assumed she, we wanted her to be the voice of a Celestial or something, you know what I mean? Like something that wouldn't require a ton of her time, but we had already thought she would be great for Sina because we knew what the character was going to do. And and so we started pitching her the character and she was a bit taken aback, not because she wasn't interested, but because she did assume this was going to be like a, a one day thing or maybe a post thing, you know what I mean? Um, and the truth is, Steena was a big part of of the movie even at that point. Um, but I think it's it speaks to again our level of security because we had a similar we had a similar, exp- uh, we had a similar um, experience with Chad on Civil War because when we cast Chad on Civil War, he didn't know what we called him. He was on the press tour for Get On Up. He wasn't aware of we were making the movie and. Uh, do you want to be Black Panther? Sure. He agreed to it over the phone and came into the meeting and we pitched him the character arc. And he was like, oh, I thought this was like a day. I thought you wanted me like for a a cameo, but I'm in this movie. We're like, yeah, you're in this movie. So a lot of times I think actors are taking on faith that we're going to do right by them. But they, I think more often than not, assume, oh, you don't really want me for the whole time, right? And, And the truth is we typically do.
1: Is that a common thing? Like how often does that happen? You kind of text somebody and say, hey, We want you to play this major superhero. Like, it's the first communication is via text.
5: It's sometimes text, sometimes email, sometimes a Zoom. And they think it's a general. And we're like, actually, it's not a general. Here's the part. Like, Kumail, please come in and meet with Chloe and I. What's this for? And then we pitch him the movie. And he's like, holy shit. Like, that's awesome. But because we can't, we typically don't want to tell Reps, because you, you know, the more people who know, the more likely it's to be spoiled. So we try to keep things as close to the best as possible. So again, people are coming into our offices or onto a Zoom now, virtually, a lot of times without a ton of context. And then you, it's sort of a Christmas morning, or you're going to hate it, but like we're going to pitch you on the idea. Do you want to do this thing? And 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 hope that they want to do it.
2: Um,
1: did did, uh, did Kumail know about the the little part that James Gunn wrote into him for Guardians? when you guys pitched him for Eternals?
5: I don't, I don't know. I'd have to go oh, okay. back and think I'm All not right. sure. I don't think so, but I, I, I couldn't be sure. Yeah.
2: So interesting. So um, speaking of Kamel and Kingo, his valet is kind of a scene stealer throughout <laughs> the movie. Um, will we ever get to see his documentary footage? Cause that feels like something <laughs> that feels like tailor-made for a one shot or some sort of- By the
5: way, we've thing. talked about it. Cause there is footage and we were shooting a lot of stuff on a video camera. On set, just to have it, like just to and and Harris Patel, who is fantastic, a lot we would he had an actual working prop camera, so he would just be rolling, <laughs> rolling on scenes. We didn't always ask him to; he would just be. He's like, "What? Well, that's what I'm doing." Uh, yeah, there is so quite a of working prop cameras. That's right. So it's uh, <laughs> I'm sure somewhere there is a there is an actual full Kingo documentary we could put together.
1: Oh, release
3: the Karoon cut. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then talking about Kingo, he was like absent from that final fight scene. He didn't yeah. choose like a side, I- Icarus yeah. and the Celestials or the Eternals of Humanity. Like, what was the intention in showing not all the Eternals have like these hard stances on the subject where I believe this, but I'm also not gonna get out here for you guys and go against what I believe?
5: Yeah, that was a, it was a big story point that was discussed a lot because I think the narrative expectation is. Hey, when Kinga's going to show up, though, right? Like, where's Han Solo? Like, he's coming, isn't he? Um, but Chloe and and Kumail and I and Kevin thought it was more interesting if these people actually had hard and fast beliefs that they believed in. Like, that's not uh, convenient for an argument, but that he actually lived in. Because again, he's 7000 plus years old. He truly does believe that team deserves to be born, but he also loves these people so much. He's not going to punch them in the face to stop it. And, and I would I would argue, too, he doesn't think they're going to succeed anyway. So he feels like, look, I can take my hands off the wheel a bit and, and we'll all be reprogrammed and I'll see you on the next mission because I, I'm not going to lift a finger against you guys. That, that would be against how what I believe as, as Kingo. So I'm, I'm not quite if there's a spectrum, I'm not all the way to Icarus. But I don't agree with you guys. And, and if you watch the movie, at no point does Kingo ever agree with their plan. Like he's actually a pretty consistent character in what he believes and values. And again, in a movie that, that for us was very much about faith uh, and purpose, we didn't want to take, I don't wanna say the easy way out, but we didn't wanna take the expected route of, of redeeming this guy because I don't think he would have showed up at that last fight is the truth.
1: It's gonna be, I'm real interested. The movie has made me really interested for their futures and mm-hmm. I, I'm really interested to see how like that decision I think that's part of the fun of the MCU is these characters change so much from movie to movie you yeah. know I feel like he's going to have fallout from that decision I'm really excited to see what you guys I would think so yeah because again these these
5: people uh, went through that experience of battle and some of them are going to forgive him, and I think some of them aren't you know it's it's I I've read some talk back about, for instance, the the decision Cersei makes with Sprite. How can you forgive this woman? She literally stabs you in the back,
2: <laughs> which again we knew was gonna be a big deal, but
5: it's a friend from 7,000 years. Like, you know what I mean? You're 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 weighing these two things. And and I don't know, I don't know that Sprite or Kingo are villains in that way. I think they make decisions that are counter to what I would argue our protagonists want, but they're not evil, you know? No.
1: Listen, Tony and Steve have torn each other apart That's and right. ultimately, you know, they still came back together. So I'll, I'll allow it for sure. Um, yeah. and while we're on that subject of like Kingo sitting out, it's a big, big, been a big conversation since this movie was announced that we knew these characters were going to be thousands of years old. Is the fact they set out the battle with Thanos and the movie addresses it, yeah. that that was not their job. They were instructed not to be there. But it, leading into the movie, there were so many, as with all Marvel movies, there were so mm-hmm. many rumors, one of them was that Thanos was going to appear. So the fact that I think on like our third show ever, Jim Starlin was on this show and he was like, I've even heard that one. I don't know (laughs) if it's true, but I think Thanos might be in Eternals. Was that ever even part of a conversation?
5: It it honestly wasn't. It honestly wasn't. We knew this was a post-Endgame movie. And I think to bring him back that quickly even would have been crazy. (laughs) Would have been crazy. As a fan, I would have been like, really guys, you literally just got rid of that guy? run back. <laughs> um it doesn't mean the idea of Thanos is gone and obviously if you've seen the film and the tags we, that that's an idea that will continue I think to to bear fruit and that we'll explore because there's so much about Thanos we don't know even though we do know a lot. But that character was never at no point was ever in any draft of a script or a treatment or anything.
1: Nate, I'm I'm a huge Thanos fan. I I'm already I, like I understand why he wasn't in this one, but if we get more backstory or something, we we'll yeah. see him do that anti-hero stuff with Adam Warlock. <laughs> Feel of approval.
2: So kind of going off of that, were there any established MCU characters that were established before Eternals that did come close to ending up in the movie in some capacity?
5: No, again, uh, I, and I, I understand the question, but it, it really was, in our mind, we, first of all, plenty of characters. So <laughs> there, was not, there was no lack of, of characters in the movie. It also, again, we hoped that if people liked the movie, it wasn't because they got to see you know, Captain Marvel or Peter Quill or whomever you, you, you might think would be in a sort of a cosmic movie. Our hope was you got to spend time with these new characters and hopefully one of these new characters might be the one that, that you're excited to see next. Kind of similar to Shang-Chi, right? Like let's build out these worlds to have these new worlds to play with and hopefully define these new worlds in such a way that you're interested in coming back uh, or visiting them in different contexts. But but there was never a draft where there was, you know, an Avenger to be named uh, as a part of it. I think that would have complicated a lot of the storytelling. More than, by the way, the movie needed because it's already complicated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of all those characters, uh, my favorite relationship and Twitter darling uh, is Macari and Druig, which is going by Drukari. I hope you guys (laughs) make that canon somehow, Uh, like just the name of it. But they're like, I love what what Lauren and Barry did there. Um, I've been a fan of Lauren since she got onto Walking Dead. That's where I discovered her. Um, But did you expect, like, did you guys expect that relationship to be the thing that so many people really felt? in love with
5: no no that was that was something that we found while we were shooting i mean even in the script i would argue it's not it's there but in in a very subtle way it really was barry and lauren's actual chemistry that actually made that something we leaned into more so the moment on the beach was them like so much of them and and their yeah there's just as first of all barry kilgan is the sweetest guy you'll ever meet and lauren um in some ways kind of took him under her wing cause she is, you know, Barry, uh, this movie was a big one for Barry. And I think Lauren having joined the walking dead was used to sort of being in, in situations that that felt big, but that she could figure out how to make small and personal. And so they, they had real chemistry. And I remember the first screening, obviously this movie is built on a love story between Cersei and Icarus, but in early screenings, it certainly was Drug <laughs> and Macari that people were like, Oh, that's cool. Like, let's get more of that. And, and I think that's, again, that's a, that's a testament to those two actors.
3: Okay, so in the comics, during our big, like, talk about the universe with, <laughs> with the judge, uh-huh. they, talk, they basically bring up Arishim. Like, he, he says that, you know, I have made you guys, I've sent you on thousands of missions. You see that there's a bunch of different copies that may or may not be copies of our heroes that have lived these other lives. Yeah. Could we see, like, Icarus or Ajax or Gilgamesh again? Because I really, I need to have a pie. If you're looking for one shots, like, Don Lee baking pies. Please, like, <laughs> yeah, give us more.
5: <laughs> I mean, look, the World Forge is out there, you know, I, they'd have to find it. And they'd have to figure out how to turn it on and make it work. But but I do think, you know, these guys were made somewhere. So if you make them once, I think you can make them again.
1: Well, I want to see Rocket Raccoon end up there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to go uh, more gently with this question, but you guys had a sex scene in the MCU. I mean, straight up. Uh-huh. I am so curious when you guys submit that for review or you pitch it in the first place. Does Mickey Mouse send a text and be like, oh, "Not an arm?" Like, <laughs> I mean, that's that is kind. Of, that's uncharted territory for a lot of Disney-owned properties. Yeah, uh, does, yeah, does that one take a little convincing from the powers that be? It did. It, it didn't.
5: I I think we thought it would, and it didn't. Um, Chloe was very adamant about about it because she wanted that relationship to feel real and not PG. Um, and we have even in the um, even in the development phase of the movie, we thought the eternals would be a bit more evolved about sexuality than you or I or rating sports. You know what I mean like it it felt disingenuous to be like, "Oh, and these people also just hold hands all the time, like they're seven thousand years old, guys <laughs> uh, so um and and again, we were our attempt was to build the movie around this love story between these two people. That is very much part of love. Uh, We could pretend it's not, I suppose, but it is. So to have that actually being filmed felt important. Um, And to do it tastefully and of which Chloe was always interested in, she never was, you know, trying to push the envelope in that way. Um, But when we did show the cut to Disney, did we think we were gonna get a (laughs) note? Sure, (laughs) of course. (laughs) <laughs> um, but they didn't. But I will say they didn't. They said, oh, well, we get it. We get it. Wow. First, first, it's sexy. And okay, let's let's go. You know, and they never asked us to cut it shorter or to obscure anything. Like, I think they understood the intent of it. And because it wasn't done in poor taste, I think they were, they were game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know at the, when Ellen, my girlfriend and I saw it for the first time at the premiere, we looked at each other like, oh. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, the the, the I, one of the I mean the movie is getting praised by us so many fans and critics for its diversity. Uh, it's really fun to see so many different types of people represented in the film, um, and each of these characters does have a unique superpower. Uh, sometimes they've had to hide it. Their story is in many ways a commentary on humanity and real world issues. When you describe it that way, it does kind of sound similar to some X-Men stuff from comics. Oh, interesting, sure. So I am curious, did you guys ever have a conversation about making sure that Eternals stay different from anything you guys might be doing in the future when X-Men inevitably make their way into this yeah, story?
5: That's a good question. Uh, n- no, is the truth. I think what, I mean, to me, our goal, with the film wasn't to make it a film about diversity in a way that I think X-Men has to be, right? X-Men is a super direct allegory in which these people are are, are ostracized and and persecuted for who they are. And that's very much the story of X-Men. That's, mm-hmm. that's in the DNA. Eternals, what I find interesting about Eternals is the movie has zero commentary about that. The, the characters don't talk about it. They don't talk about how they look versus how people treat them. I think we as the public are projecting an idea about diversity onto the movie in a way, because there's a lack of it in our media. So you want to talk about it because you don't get to see casts like this, but but the Eternals themselves don't have a point of view and the, and the film isn't trying to make that a conversation. The film's very much a conversation, again, I would argue about faith and purpose and the value of humanity, but not in the context necessarily of the diversity conversation that we're having in our everyday lives. I think if and when we get to an X-Men movie, you, we're going to have to have that conversation because that's very much in the DNA of, of that thematically. Um, so, yeah, I, look, I think when we were casting the film, it wasn't like, let's just try to get as diverse as possible. It was like, who would be great for, be great for this role? Oh, they look like that. OK, cool. Um, and I do think there is now a projection onto the film, which is fine because the film is diverse and, and that's we can't hide that. Yeah, but yeah. that that wasn't, I would argue, thematically, that's not what the movie's about.
1: Right. Oh, I, I, total, I, I would totally agree. With that. I really appreciate your kind of deep, enthusiastic understanding. It's really fun to hear your perspective because we think we know all this stuff and you come in and you have these perspectives and stuff. And that's why we love talking to you about this. Oh, stuff. Uh, and, and next up, we're going to talk about these post-credit scenes. OK, yeah. <laughs>
2: So um talk to us about casting Harry Styles as Star Fox. What went into that decision? Because obviously it's something that fans of himself and fans of the MCU have been so excited about.
5: Yeah, it's it's just interesting. Uh Star Fox Eros is a I like that character very much, but he's probably super problematic in publishing. Uh, for reasons that even publishing kind of explores in the in the She-Hulk stuff, which I think is interesting. But the notion of when we decided to lean into Eros, the notion of a guy whose power is kind of seduction and emotion control, that's a pretty specific, I think, ask for a piece of talent. And we talked about we talked about gender swapping, because it really like Eros doesn't have to be a guy, but he is a guy, but it could be anything. It really is who is just by being around them seductive. And that's a pretty short list. And Chloe is a giant admitted giant Harry Styles fan. And initially, we are like, really? Uh, but you meet, I promise you, if you ever get a chance to meet Harry Styles, it's true. Like, you're just like, I love this guy. I love this guy. I don't know what it is. I love him. He's funny. He's charming. He's nice to everybody. He is kind of Eros. Um, and so it was an easy conversation. It was an easy conversation. I think it, for him, it's a it's a bigger risk for Harry Styles to be in this movie than for us to cast Harry Styles. Cause he has such a specific fan base and he's a musician and he's, and now he's becoming an actor, but that's not necessarily his core his core thing. Um, and to take a flyer on this really random character that he also knows is vaguely problematic, I think was, was sort of a bigger leap of faith for him. But I think the notion of Eros in the MCU going forward is, is so much fun. Like it's, it's totally worth it.
1: It's totally. Did they all share the set. Yeah. They all filmed that together. So everybody oh, yeah. knew that and you guys were able to keep it a secret.
5: Yeah, it was hard. That was, uh, that was hard. That was hard. Um, but Angelina, uh, Lauren, Barry—they're so—they're so team players. You know what I mean? Um, and and we had hung out with Harry in London as well, and that was tricky because everybody—everybody on the—even if they weren't in the scene, they knew he was in the movie. Um, but everybody wow. kind of held their water, which was which was awesome.
1: So yeah. so then when when the when the world premiere happens, mm-hmm. and somebody leaves, and and, and they share the post credit yeah. scene publicly, it beca- it yeah. becomes public knowledge before the movie comes out. What happens in like the Marvel Studios producer group text? Yeah, it's it's a
5: bummer. I mean, look, it's 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 hard because we want fans to get excited real time. Like it's cool to be to know going in, he's in there and that's that's fine. I think it would have been even more fun for people to discover it real time. And, and some people still will. I mean, obviously not everybody reads the message boards. It is. I think for us, it's just kind of a bummer because we want we want to have some magic in our mood. Like we want people to find our movies themselves and get to discover these post credit scenes themselves. Not because, and this is true, not less because we're building to something greater and more because we just think it's fun. You know what I mean? We just want people to go like, that was great, like cool. Um, and speculation is, is, is awesome, but just the experience in the moment, I think sometimes is ruined by the need or the want for spoilers that I would argue people don't really want, but I know there's a market for. But if you just got to see stuff fresh without all this stuff around it, I I think we'd all enjoy it a bit more, you
3: know? It's definitely... Uh, a little bit of a bummer, but you guys still had a curveball. Y'all still had another another pitch in the, in the quiver. You had another arrow in the quiver. Right. So <laughs> second pro credit scene is just his blade in his voice form. Because when I heard the line, I was like, "Should I know who this is?" Movie, <laughs> That's right. But I'm not sure, you know. So Kit <laughs> Harrington didn't know that was happening. So he says, "So was Mah- Mashallah Ali's blade always a choice for this movie?" He was
5: uh, for reasons that hopefully that would become apparent as you see more things, Uh, but he wasn't there on the day. And we talked about two versions of that, one where we would cut to him and one where we wouldn't about like, how how textual do you want it to be? Uh, And again, it was more just for the fun of it, to tease it a little bit, um, to hear the voice and not see the man. He was game to to do it, you know? Um, Cause the Ebony Blade, the the characteristics of the Ebony Blade are not dissimilar to some degree to vampirism. And we think that's an interesting kind of thing to play with. So we, we kind of knew that was on the table. Um, but yeah, it, again, it was a choice. It, and, it, and I'm not sure, I think if you polled people, we'd probably get 50% who said, man, we would love to see Blade standing in the corner of that room. And 50% who thought it'd be cool just to hear the voice. And, and it was something we talked about. But again, for us, it's just like, ooh, what, what will give you more goosebumps? is is our goal, you know
1: oh man i I did a whole video talking about who I thought that was. Not one of them was was Mahershala, and then that night I saw Fandom's interview, and they were like, "Yeah, it was Blaze," and I was like, "My whole video is already."
5: <laughs> no,
1: that's super exciting, though. And, and so, uh, I, 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 we had just have a couple last questions for you, yeah. just about general Marvel stuff, your your past, your future stuff you might be tied to. Uh, whatever you could say here will, will be fun, and we'll love it. We'll love you for it. Um, you, I know you're always talking with everybody, all the producers, all the filmmakers. Of every project coming up, which one are you most excited for? Do, do, you, do you think people are really going to respond to that you're looking oh, forward to? That's
5: interesting. Uh, that's hard to say. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, I would be lying if I didn't want people to be most excited about Black Panther 2. Just because that's what I'm thinking about, 24 hours a day. Um, but no, but everything is, you know, I think everything is becoming more different. And that's something we talk a lot about, and and I, you know, again for better or for worse, what Eternals is, uh, is is doing, is showing you that we can do different kinds of things because we're quite aware of how much stuff we make. We're kind of we're super aware of the movies we have made in the past. For us, as we go forward, it's how do we make Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness different from Thor: Love and Thunder, different from. Wakanda Forever different from the Marvels, different from Miss Marvel, different from Hawkeye. Like there is a lot of stuff, and so our goal and our job is to make that stuff as good as possible and as different as possible, so that as you you come to find our our things, you don't feel like you're getting the same thing over and over. So, Multiverse of Madness is wild uh, in the best ways, um, but it's different than Love and Thunder, which is which is Taika to 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 eleven, you know. Um, and even Spider-Man, I don't want to forget Spider-Man like that is, I think, kind of a fan's dream in a lot of respects. And Tom Holland's killing it and, and everybody in that in that movie is is, is trying to give fans and, and general audiences just something new and fun. So so I again, I'm going to be a homer and say Black Panther Wakanda forever. <laughs> I'm uh, but but it, but they're all great. They're all great. It's the truth, love- in my opinion.
3: So since we're talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, how is it going on set? And how are you going to spend all this time now that you guys <laughs> are going to be home for the holidays, right? No, it's it's good. I mean, we there's
5: plenty for us to be doing, you know, and 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 Kugler's back and he's a great partner. And uh, you know, I think I think this movie has a different sort of pressure on it, obviously with the loss of Chadwick, which was unexpected and 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 unprecedented in a way narratively to figure out how to deal with so beyond hey we want to make a big fun time and people love the first movie it's how do we sort of do right by his legacy you know and tell a story that isn't exploitative which we would never ever do but builds on the things that he loved about the property and builds on the things that he brought to the property um in a way that is enjoyable, feels real, feels earned, feels organic, um, because I think people are going to see the movie in two lenses, pure entertainment, but also cathartic. And and we have to be conscious of both of those lenses as we're making it.
1: Yeah, as, as I mentioned at the top of this interview, I, I saw, I've read that really cool interview uh, with, with Kelly at The Undefeated, and you've done two Captain America movies. Yes. In doing Captain America, one of the things you said about going into winter soldier was that you wanted Falcon to not feel like a sidekick, but an equal. And I think you've really done that. Now he is captain America. Yeah. What do you want to see? What are your hopes? I know, you know, what's going to happen, but what do you <laughs> hope you to see uh, with Anthony Mackey in that suit for cap four?
5: Yeah, I think, I think it, he's not Steve Rogers, you know, and I think that's a good thing because to me, this new cap is Rocky. He's, he's going to be the underdog in any situation. He's not a super soldier. He's not 100 years old. He doesn't have the Avengers. What happens with, with this guy who announces publicly, kind of without support, I'm the new Captain America. What happens next I think is fascinating uh, because he's a, he's a guy. He's a guy with wings and a shield, but he is a guy. So we're going to put him through the ringer and make him earn it and see what happens when he is outweigh, outclassed, out, you know, out-everythinged, what makes somebody captain america because i don't I'm, I'm gonna argue it's not being a super soldier and i think we're going to prove that with, with mackie and sam wilson
1: oh that has me ready to run through a brick wall <laughs>
2: speaking of just larger fan excitement um obviously disney plus day is this friday what can you tease if anything about what fans should expect
5: oh um Boy, that's that's going to be tough because I'm after fucking and Winter Soldier, I went away to, to, to Features World. But but look, I think our Disney Plus slate is really exciting between Hawkeye, which premieres this month, by the way, it's just so, just to give you more to watch. Um, and Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, which is fantastic and different. I mean, there's so much. And I have to. Young girls now, so I'm on the Disney Plus app every day. Uh, but there's so much Marvel content coming, both in front of and behind the scenes that I think are gonna get fans excited. And again, to me, it's always the balance of giving new stories and new narratives, but also giving a peek behind the curtain that doesn't hopefully ruin the magic. Um, but but there's there's a ton of goodies we have that I know we're about to share. So I think people should be really excited.
1: So Nate, the last thing we have for you. Ah, <laughs> look at that. I gotta hear uh, what's... It, Anything, anything on the Nova front?
5: Hey man, bring
1: my own helmet. <laughs> that,
5: is, that is a quality helmet. I'm not sure about the mesh over the eyes, but generally, that's a pretty good helmet. Uh, well,
1: that's a frankly built for building this thing. Yeah. He's a legend.
5: No, we uh, we we talk about Nova all the time. We talk, we do, and and
1: uh,
5: I think that uh, you know I can't say anything, but but we talk about Nova all the time.
1: Oh, man, that's a great way to end this show. (laughs) Honestly, dude, you are a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for all this time. Uh, Congrats on Eternals. We're wishing it the best of luck and success in the next few weekends. We're happy to support it here on Phase Zero and on comicbook.com. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, man. This has been great. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to you guys as well. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. And everybody listening to Phase Zero. By the way, next week, we have Andy Park on the show. Legendary concept artist. Anything you think we should ask him?
5: Oh, boy. Oh, I don't want to get in trouble with Andy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, everybody. Thank you uh, to all our listeners and viewers and everybody, and especially to Nate Moore and Marvel Studios for helping us put this interview together. Uh, go support Eternals. Spread the love. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.